This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salts have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Hey Gordon, how's it going? It's going well, Doc, thank you, and uh, happy International Star Wars Day to you today. Um, you're not wearing your Star Wars t-shirt, that, which worries me, but there's no commitment. You always have a trick question every time I come here, you know, you need to, uh, need to give me a little bit up. of a heads up. Yeah, exactly. May the fourth be with you. Where, where have you been? <laughs> good, man. Yeah. All right. Otherwise, all cool? All good. Looking forward to a bizarre set of circumstances today in the sense that we've got in the studio Jeremy Maggs, veteran news anchor, recently uh, resigned from, from ENCA. And after 30 years of interviewing people, we get to introduce Mags on media himself. He's looking strangely confused by the fact that he's not actually controlling this. Well, not yet. Well, not uh, yet. We anyway. haven't, we okay. haven't started the chat yet. Jeremy, welcome Gentlemen, to the I'm, studio. I'm very anxious because <laughs> normally I have the locus of control. Exactly. And now I don't. Yeah. So all I can say is bring it on. Let's see where, <laughs> let's see where we go. Good, to, right. see both, good yeah. to see both of you. Love the podcast. Yeah. Doug, haven't seen you for a while. Gordon yeah. and I spend a little bit more time together. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking to you. Thank great. you. Thanks well, I mean, much. it's it's great. And, and what we will also be talking about today, of course, is is your new book. Uh, my final answer, we'll get to that uh, in, in a short while. But Jeremy, I mean, surprisingly, let's start at the beginning. You know, 30 years in media, um, some of that, you know, as a, you know, kind of literally writing 
for newspapers mm. all the way through to the glory days of uh, your top dog show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But let's start with the news component of that because that's where we've seen an awful lot of you um, in the last few years. What What's changed about news? And we'll talk about television news uh, and, and radio news and other things shortly. But just from a news perspective, what, what's been the big quantum shift over the years? Or, or is news still mm. the same as it always has been? No, it's not. Um, and I, it's, it's a very relevant question to start with. Um, when I started out, and I'm not going to go to the newspaper side or, or the magazine side, but when I started out in radio and then uh, more recently in television, there was more time to fact check, uh, to contextualize, and to think about what you're doing. And I always tell people about the 24-hour news cycle, which has now been condensed into what I call the 2.4-second news cycle. Very simple to explain. 24-hour news cycle in days gone past is there'd be a radio bulletin in the morning, uh, there'd be a morning newspaper, a uh, bit of an update in the afternoon. Television news would give the pictures. The weekly, uh, the weeklies, whether it be the newspapers or the magazines, would give you the context. And we had more time to reflect. These days, particularly in television and radio news, you're moving in hyper real time. Often, um, you will see a television or listen to a radio news anchor talking to someone. They've also got a big tweet deck open in front of them. And they are engaging visually with what people are saying. And that is informing the conversation or the interview in real time. I'm not saying it's necessarily impacting positively or negatively, but it's the speed at which things are happening that I think have taken off uh, incrementally in the past uh, couple of years. You've got a tweet pad in front of you too there, Doc. I can see that. <laughs> I've got an old school pen and a piece of paper, <laughs> but it works just as well. You know, sometimes, I mean, Gordon, you know, I've spoken about it. Sometimes, you know, that you get, you know, technology in the way of common sense sometimes, and it's not always good. Jeremy, just talking a little bit about that, and I think, you know, we've all seen that, and I, and, and I guess the probably a few years ago it was just the, the producer in your ear that was distracting. Now, as you say, there's a whole lot of moving parts. Mm. One of the things that Gordon and I have chatted about at length is about education and quality of people in the fraternity. Today we're talking journalism and, and reporting and, and anchors. And that. With all these moving parts, uh, have you seen a decline in quality of, of journalism over time? Or are people better equipped now with all the, the new tech to be giving us a better story, a more accurate story? I'm going to sound like an economist, Doug, and say yes and no. Mm. Um, I don't... I think... I have seen a decline. Um, I've seen a decline in, I keep coming back to that word, context. I think we have a lot of young people who have come into the profession uh, who are not necessarily uh, well-read or steeped in the past. But having said that, make no mistake that the advent of social media and the speed at which it moves is also a good thing for journalism. Mm. Uh, it keeps the story alive. We get to the story a whole lot quicker. I'm glad you mentioned education because it is critical uh, in you know the brand communication space where you guys operate uh, and uh, that I report on and also I don't think that the universities and the uh, the universities of technology, the old technicons, are necessarily turning out the right people. 
I notice a lot of young people coming into this business and they lack curiosity. And I think that's the one thing that we need in this business of communication. Just before I came to your studio, I was giving a talk to a large advertising agency and I made the same point to them, mm. that I think that strategic people, creative people need to be more curious. I'm finding a marked lack of curiosity. And the other point, I don't know if you can teach curiosity, maybe that's another podcast for you, but the other issue that um, I don't think that we're well read enough. Um, I was brought up uh, by a mother, and I make the point in the book, who not quite dragged my brother and I to the Rosebank Library as it was then, but it was expected that we would go twice a week. I don't see enough reading, um, and it's reading curiously about things. Um, one of the people that you would both know, Gordon, certainly uh, you in your long career in the advertising industry, the late Robin Putter. Yep. I remember sitting um, at an airport with him we, 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 uh, abroad, and he was reading a book on Roman history. I looked at this and I said, what on earth are you doing? And he said, you never know. Yeah. Might spark an idea. Yeah. Um, I need to know as much as possible. Yeah. We in this business of communication need to be more sponge-like. I think he had a point. And, and yeah, you know, and just to add to that thought, um, we, we need to have deep vertical kind of plunging into a topic. You know, it... it Reading a book on Roman history is a good thing. You know, reading three tweets from somebody who, who lived in Rome, you know, once upon a time is not necessarily a good thing. So and our life, Gordon, is defined by those three tweets, I'm afraid. Yeah. And I think we need to get beyond that. Yeah. And it's this continuous, I think it's called continuous partial attention, mm -hmm. CPA syndrome, mm -hmm. which is, I think, typical of the industry. We're, 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 we're generalists. We always have to be generalists. But you need to have some deep vertical kind of... Uh, capability as well as being a generalist. But I don't want this conversation to sound like three old men, or in mm. your case, mm. two old men and one very young man, uh, <laughs> looking and saying, well, things were better yeah. uh, before yeah. social media and yeah. Instagram yeah. and Twitter and Facebook, because yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. The no, access to information yeah, is that much better, yeah. but I also think that it is layered, as you say. I, I yeah. like that idea of, of the vertical drop. But you know, you, yeah, just to you know, go, go... No, go for it, Gordon. The, I mean, the, the point there as well, I mean, oh, were things better? They were boring in media. I mean, for prior to the digital thing, media had become desperately predictable. I mean, you're a great advocate of the long lunch. I know that. And mm. as a journalist, you, you have some wonderful anecdotes in your book. You know, why did we have long lunches? Because we'd actually finish work by one o'clock. I mean, that's how predictable the bloody thing yeah. was. I welcome that, all that's this. Your, that's your explanation, and that, you're sticking and to it. And I'm sticking <laughs> to it. Because I think my wife might be listening to this podcast. Yeah. Quite but right. I, think, I think the other side, uh, Jeremy, is it's not. I, I don't think it's, it's worse. And I don't think we're having, I'm certainly not thinking like it. I'm thinking about using things in the correct way, in the re correct context, you know? And just laziness, Gordon, you and I have spoken about that before. Sometimes it's easy for me to be fed things in little bites and I skim through them and I form a picture in my head and I don't double check, you know what I mean? Now, I'm just a consumer of stuff. The problem is I go to dinner and I talk to my friends and then I become an expert on something that I've gathered from three people that are, you know, and, and the danger there is when news people start doing that sort of thing and I'm not saying it does happen. Let's look at, let's just look at the rise of the selfie by the very notion, uh, uh, Jeremy, your point of being curious. Some people are more curious 
of themselves, of the selfie. You know what I mean? So I'm more interested in the correct light and the angle and all of those things. And Gordon, you and I pre pre the show was talking about a halo light, you know, in terms of getting the best. But I'm more I'm not curious about you. I'm not interested in you. You know, and for us you know, doing this podcast as we do with everyone, we sit and we read and we and we take an interest in our guest because you know we are interested in the in the right people. And I think absolutely an attribute, now whether that can be taught or whether it's intrinsic or whether you need your mom to drag you, is to say you need to actually be interested in somebody mm. else besides yourself. And interested beyond your scope of expertise. Absolutely. So I'm not saying go and read about Roman history. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. you've got to go beyond mm the original beyond what you're comfortable with there's a there is an ad agency in johannesburg i don't know if they still do it but once a month or once every two months the the creative department uh, members thereof are told to get out of the office and go and do something different whether it's to go and see a movie or go to an art gallery or whatever the case is and they've come back and hopefully back to the sponge it's affected that part of the brain which you have to engage in terms of lateral and creative thought. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, look, yeah. I mean, I think there's a fine line between stereotyping and projection. For me, one of the challenges in media is always to be able to project yourself into the, the zeitgeist mm. of the consumer that you're talking to. I have to become Bertha Benoni at some point in my life, and I've got to visualize it. Otherwise, you plan for yourself with a little bit of modification. You really do have to immerse yourself. Can I tell you a story to that effect, which always interests me? Um, it's about consumer engagement. And I remember talking, interviewing one of the brand managers, Cadbury, Mondelez, I don't know what they're called now, whatever, they, whatever they've become. And this brand manager used to go and stand in the chocolate aisle at ShopRite Checkers. Mm. And I went with him once because mm. I didn't believe him. Mm. And he would just stand and watch our consumers mm. bought chocolate. Habit buying, mm. I will go for this particular yeah. one, and then the experimenters. He would go to the experimenters afterwards, and you know this creepy guy would come <laughs> up and you know, talk, and you know, what are you doing, why are you buying this? Yeah. But it was interesting. Uh, there was that, that level of consumer, touching the consumer. I'm not entirely sure whether, and you guys are the experts here, your audience are the experts, whether the marketers are doing that enough. I would say there needs to be a lot more engagement yeah. at that basement level. Absolutely right. And I mean, you talk, they, they, certainly from my experience, Gordon, and, and, and it's dangerous to speak for the, for the whole, but I mean, I've seen a lot of marketers controlling very big brands with big budgets who don't want to go into the trade because it's just not for us, you know what I mean? It's, it's far more comfortable in our office in Santa. We don't really want to, and now we're not even, now we're talking formal trade, so we're talking shop right checkers in um, Santon City, as an example. By the time you say to that person, you've got to go and understand the prepaid market in Tembisa. By that stage, I mean, you've lost your audience. And that's the crazy mm. part of it. When you look at the consumption of a lot of goods and services in terms of the formal and informal sector, and you need to actually understand, that's the marketer. Never mind the creative person. Precisely. You know, you made the point that it's great going to the art gallery to get inspiration from a creative point of view. But understand, you're making commercial art. I've got to still sell something. So maybe you need to go into that trade, into that dusty, that proverbial dusty street, you know, that cliche. But to actually see your consumer and how they buy your product. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've used this technique in, in uh, media uh, training workshops, particularly with sales teams, where I will get the sales guys to, I will give them a target market uh, uh, definition, each one different, 
and I would give them a diary, like the radio diaries that we keep an average quarter hours, and ask them to, to live out that target market in the course of a diary and then collate that information at the back end of it and compare. How, how do they live in it? You, just by literally, so if you are going to, if you are, you know, a 16 to 24 year old student, then go out and normally consume because so much of, of what we do in media is instinctively, I know this, therefore it must be okay for other people as well. And I say this with all due respect, one of the reasons 702 did so well over the years was because the advertising industry listened to the radio station. So when you were pitched it to a client, you were confident in explaining the content, less confident uh, in explaining the content you know, 10 years ago to a Kaya FM because you didn't listen to it. So if a client asked you a probing question, you couldn't deal with it. So living outside yourself is, is, is absolutely crucial. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. Let's just change tack a little bit now. I mean, some of your great moments in the limelight were uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And, and hence the, the title uh, of, of your book, My First Answer. What are some of your, your memories of of that show I'm so sure you must have some good ones yeah, and some so I do ones. so Gordon Doug I was very lucky to get the program so the story is it's a, to tell it to you very quickly um, I had been hosting a breakfast show on SABC2 it was called AM Today um, I think it was ahead of its time because it was broadcast live from three different centers and you would break away for regional news and you'd come back and the executive producer of the program at the time uh, was absolutely insistent that every single morning, whether it be Durban, Cape Town, or Johannesburg, there was a live shot of the sun rising. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was uh, the epitome of what breakfast television should be. Mm -hmm. uh, it was produced by an outside company. Uh, the SABC, in its wisdom, chose to take the show in-house. I was unemployed. Um, I got a call from the mega uber producer Anand Singh uh, who to this day is a close friend of mine uh, he's the guy that produced Mandela's uh, Long Walk to Freedom the movie mm -hmm. phoned me up and he said I'd met him in my newspaper days when I lived in Durban he phoned me up and he said listen I think you might be interested got the show who wants to be a millionaire it's a quiz show I said Anand stop right there I am not interested mm. I'm a journalist I have higher-minded principles than game shows. Um, thank you very much indeed, but no thanks. He said, listen, I'm going to send you the tape. Remember those VC <laughs> tapes that we used to have? Uh, sent it to me, and uh, my wife and I promptly went away on holiday. Came back, saw this tape waiting for me. I thought, look, better look at it. Yeah. Put it into the VCR machine. And, you know, the crackling and all of that. <laughs> and it was a tape of the British version of the show hosted by a guy called Chris Tarrant, uh, who was a legend on Capital FM in London at the time. I watched this for 20 seconds. And I knew that in telling Anand Singh where to get off, I had made the biggest mistake of my life. Mm. Phoned him up instantly. Uh, and I groveled. Uh, and then, <laughs> Gordon, I groveled a little bit more. And once I'd finished the second round of groveling, I went in for a third round. I, 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 I groveled and I said, listen, I, I have made the biggest mistake of my life. Yeah. I want to do this more than anything yeah. in the world. Yeah. And it, it, it happened. Yeah. So that's how the show started. Yeah. 
Um, I write in the book that the secret to the show, I think, were, were, were two things. One is I think the time at which it was broadcast was brilliant. So it was on air, on MNET, at 6 p.m. in the evening. Yeah, and that it was, was that, that time. Was fun. That was the open window, yeah. It was the open window, mm. but it was also the time when people were winding down mm. from the Sunday. Mm. So they were gathered around the TV mm. set. The second thing is, was this concept called shoutability is that people were able to shout at the television set because they knew the answer and the other people didn't. And I think maybe the third component is, and there was a a formula, a a Bible, as they say Mm. in the TV industry, of how to toy with the contestants like a cat would play with a mouse. Mm. Mm. And that famous line, you know, they would give the answer, they'd be locked in, it was their final answer, and then it was a staged rehearsal, pause, turn to a single camera I'll give you the answer pause right after the break into a commercial break sure. I think yeah. the people who bought commercials at that time sure. would have been absolutely delighted yeah. and it was all it was it was highly produced it was a glossy program mm. and I think it was the first quiz program back on South African screens for a long time mm. previously there used to be a program hosted by a guy called John Pank called Specialist, which was, I think it was called Specialist. It was based on a British version. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came along. Sadly, uh, it ran about curiosity Mm. and reading. One Mm. final thought on this. I remember um, we, uh, the the, the guy who won a a substantial amount of money in Britain, £64,000, he was a lorry driver. Mm. Now, no, not being disparaging against lorry drivers, but in an interview at the time, they said, well, you're a, one of the British papers said, you're a lorry driver. How come you've done so well? And he said, what do I do? I read the newspapers. Yeah. Back to my point about curiosity and reading. I shall say no more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it, coming back to, to groveling. I, I'm, I'm in media. <laughs> I like, personally like to think that really I give Gollum a run for his money when it came to groveling for something which I consider to be my precious. Yeah. So, uh, and, and as for principles, again, in media, this is a well-established practice. Mm. These are my principles, Doc. If you don't like them, I've got other ones. So, I mean, yeah. I'm completely I've arrested. lived by that mantra, Gordon, <laughs> and I'm proud to say that I still do. <laughs> But I mean, I can't believe I was, you know, reading that 20 years ago, that show was on. I mean, yeah, you, know, you were doing the, the, the time, time but that's so the point, Gordon. I didn't know that yeah. until I read the wow. timeline, no, I you know, prepping for, and, yeah. and you were talking at the time, I think you referenced, the, you categorized the Hunsie Gate and the, mm. and the show, I think was the same time. Uh, that's right. Eh? That's right. Right yeah, about 20 then, years. Yeah. I mean, I even the Hunsie Gate was 20 years ago. I would wrong in a quiz. Yeah, it was... Uh, is that your final answer? Uh, that's, yeah, it was 20 years yeah. ago, and uh, it ran just over 100 episodes, mm. and uh, it was time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a great believer in the Seinfeld factor, always leave people when they want more. Mm. Sure. Um, there was surprise in the industry. Mm. I also think the dollar-rand exchange rate at the time had something to do with it because it was, it was, it was, a, it was a license that was brought yeah. uh, abroad. All right. mm. um, but, yeah, it was, it was time, but I still think somewhere Mm. Uh, somebody should be looking at another quiz show. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the format is, but I think that people you know, people I, enjoy I, that, people enjoy the concept. That yeah. makes sense to me. I mean, if if we look, uh, you know, at a lot of people last year, 
were doing online quizzes. I know I wasn't part of yeah. a sort of a quiz set up with some of my friends or WhatsApp quiz group. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it applies a bit of integrity in terms of whether you mm. got the answer right if you can't see the person. But yeah, there was a surprise how many people reverted back to, to mm. quizzes last year. And pub quizzes for young folks were, were rolling along at a hell of a rate in 2019. So obviously hit the wall a bit in 2020. But talking about highlights and, and, and shows, I mean, Mags on Media is another iconic show that people will obviously associate with you. At one point, if I'm not mistaken, it was the longest running media That's right. show in the uh, world. I was told it was the longest running media television show in the world. Mm. We eventually closed it out after about 500 odd episodes. Yeah. Um, again, I think it probably in the incarnation that it was running in, it probably overstayed its welcome a little bit. I was getting to the point where I was... And I need to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to upset too many people because I'm not arrogant, although this may sound arrogant, but I was starting to interview people and I kind of knew what they were going to say. And that to me was taking a little bit of the edge out of the program. Mm. Part of it was our maybe our own laziness is that we weren't working hard enough to find new guests. Mm. Uh, and I think that it is uh, it, it it had kind of run its time. It exists online. Um, I'm looking at different ways in the digital space of of uh, of breathing some new life into it. That I think it makes does. sense. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited about that. But mm. it was fun at fun in the, at the time. Plus, there was a lot of um, a lot of travel to the south of France. I know when you guys have gone in the past you've actually done some work um, not so much me uh, I wandered about a bit yeah. Gee, well, I mean, you judge kidding. there I Gordon judge I mean, I've just what? attended a few but I mean mm. you always start with great gusto I mean I always go on and have a plan and you look at all the talks and, and in the later years they had the app and you do uh, but yeah you know one or two rosés down on, on, the, oh, on yeah, the, no. the promenade and it all goes uh, it literally goes south no, I think we all I mean, we really did work hard. I, I loved it. I mean, I love case studies, generally speaking, as a rule, where you can yeah. get into the meat of, of a piece of communication. But we did. We, we judged pretty much flat out all day. And then the moment the judging was over, um, there was a universal commitment to trying to find Trevor Ormerod because he <laughs> he had the drinking budget, I think, for uh, for Cinemark in those days. Well, go straight to the so, gutter bar. Yeah, just, yeah, so, and we and didn't have cell phones. That was so the gross was a, national product of a small country. Yeah, yeah. No cell phones, so there was a desperate attempt to, to track down Trevor at, at Cairns because he was, he was a great host. Yeah. Um, just coming back to those predictable interviews, who were some of the – or what was the most interesting person? And who was the dullest person? excluding myself, obviously, that, that you interviewed. Uh, Gordon, in the pantheon of great interviews, you're probably in the top five. So let, me just, let me just say this. Because <laughs> you're this doing, and I say this, this because boy. I say that you're doing this because you've invited me <laughs> into your program. I never, I never answer that question okay. um, because it's, I, I don't, no one sticks out and everybody sticks out. So mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. that I have remembered, um, I remember sitting down and interviewing the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, in Alex Township, not too far from where we're, we're, we're recording this morning. Uh, and I remember, so we're sitting in a church in Alex mm. talking about the West Wing while the choir is warming up. That sits <laughs> with me. Yeah. The other interview which I didn't get to do but I have been mocked all my life about, all my recent life, was 
again back to Cannes. Went, I was in the media room, went onto the deck, um, looking at the, the Cote d'Azur <laughs> and, and really enjoying myself. Guy comes up, stands next to me, and he is an impossibly good-looking young man. Beautiful teeth, tan, beautiful haircut. Trevor Omerod again. And <laughs> we, start, we start talking, and um, he says, well, what business are you? And it's in the book. I think you may have read it. I said, well, I'm in the television business. And you? He said, yeah, no, I'm in the television business as well. Exchanged a few more ple pleasantries, and he disappeared. Yeah. Walked back into the media room. A couple of people come up to me, and they say, how well do you know him? I said, who are you talking about? Ryan Seacrest. Oof, okay. I had no idea who the guy was. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. do you know who Ryan yes, Seacrest yes, yes. is? No, I don't know. I, I almost I don't. I, 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 I was thinking he about produced, I mean, he's the, and I, I think, I think the reality Sea Harvest. TV. Sorry. That's, <laughs> no, no, that's, no. Uh, and I remember my producer, uh, who now works on a television station in Turkey, saying Oof, yeah. that you are an absolute idiot. But she didn't say it in those words. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about uh, possibly good-looking people, I mean, I want to deal with two of the more sordid uh, mm -hmm. uh, incidents in your book, which are quite disturbing. Um, one of them, uh, in 1972, uh, coincided with Bird Reynolds posing in, you know, for a centre for nude. I just want to say what Cosmo. a pleasure um, it's been, been to do. Nice weather, nice day. I Thanks wish you guys much. well yeah. going ahead. So, I mean, <laughs> thank you so much. You had a sortie. I mean, you've run a, a, a quiz show, <laughs> a news anchor of many years standing, but your, your little sortie into nude modelling in 1972. Yes. How do you feel it that was It wasn't 1972, for you? first of all. It, it was a bit later. Um, okay. I think it was Clive Rice that posed nude in 1972. <laughs> oh, okay. I was working, uh, and you're a Durban guy? Yep, I am. You're yep, a Durban guy? No, no. no. So you know the Sunday yep, Tribune? Yep. Great newspaper in its time. It was the feisty competitor of the Sunday Times. And I had a, a very, very talented news editor. And he saw a small ad, remember when we used to go to the classifieds? Mm. Best news stories ever coming from the classifieds. And he picked up a piece saying that the uh, Durban uh, Technicon was looking for models for their fine art class. And he said to me, Mags, go and pose nude for an art class. I was up for it at that point, you know, young reporter trying oh, to make my way. Be? Yeah, exactly. So um, I, duly, I, duly, I duly did this. And um, it was quite agonizing, to be honest with you, because you move a muscle and you just people just look at you. Um, two things uh, emerged from, from that story. Um, one is that my wife, uh, we weren't married at that point. Um, uh, we were engaged and Anne was living in, uh, in, in the Eastern Cape at the time. And I warned her that this photo was coming out. And I think she drove around every single shop in the city to buy up the copy so no one else would see them. And then, and the picture's in the book. Uh, a lot of people have asked me, because uh, I'm now posing for the newspaper picture uh, after posing nude for the art class. A lot of people have come up to me and they've said, listen, why was there such a small notebook? I will leave the rest to your fettered imaginations. <laughs> well, I think yeah, it's a pretty bold effort for a guy. And one of his other claims to fame, Doc, believe yeah. it or not, is that he was on the inside of a chappy's bubblegum wrapper for his claim that Jeremy Maggs can eat his own weight in curry. At Bukhara. At I don't Bukhara. even know if Bukhara still exists. I'm, I think I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure but I'm a curry fan. Yes, yeah. Again, back to the Tribune days. Durban, you'll, uh, Gordon, you'll know uh, the best curries don't come from the established restaurants, but the holes in the wall places. And there were lots of them in Durban mm -hmm. and in oh, Peter Maritzburg. 
best curry ever sitting around a formica table just digging in and i have been a lover of curry all my life and i was asked um, in an interview once and i said i could eat my body weight at bukhara because the curry was great there yeah and then chappies got hold of it i've been a bubblegum rapper Uh, right very proud of that very very few people on the inside of a a bubblegum absolutely i think that's outstanding jeremy your book uh Became available. It was the first of May. It's out. It's out. It's out. Um, where can, where it, can it, our listeners at, get hold of it? It's at exclusive books and all other fine bookstores. Mm. And I'm proud to say that after two days, it has raced to number twenty on the excellent. <laughs> well done. Which is uh, probably two points ahead of our podcast. I mean, I we, were, we were lurking, and, and, no, been, and we've been out a lot longer than four days. Yes, <laughs> two years later. That's not fair. We have been number one on the Apple podcast list once or twice, but that's fantastic. I'm going to have one last question, mm. and Doc, I'm going to hand it over to you to wrap. I mean, and this is an important one because it's also something which I think it needs to be addressed in a public forum. There's a fairly dark rumor that at one point you actually slept with Richard Branson. And that's in your book. Um, Gordon, again, my attorney... Perhaps I've simplified the My equation. attorney is on speed dial. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to... I have. But let me clarify. Yeah. First of all, a very nice guy. Really enjoyed interviewing him. We... Uh, I was... Uh, one of the things about being in the media, junkets and freebies. And... Again, I, 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 you know, some you accept, some you don't. You try to be as you give the value back yeah. that has been given to you. Um, there was a, an, a, an anniversary flight, Virgin Atlantic, from ORT to London. Uh, we were going to do the interview with, uh, with Branson. We were going to fly with him uh, to London for lunch and then take the flight back that same day come back to Johannesburg. In retrospect, it was the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but that night, um, my uh, I went with a, with a production crew. Sadly, I was offered a pod in first, <laughs> first class, class or upper yeah. class. They didn't. I said, guys, listen, I, 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 I need to talk to my new best friend, <laughs> Sir Richard. And uh, he had the pod next to me. Okay. So I See have slept next to Richard. <laughs> so at least you did learn from your, your blups with Ryan. What's Ryan, Ryan Seacrest. R- Se- Seacrest, <laughs> not Ryan Seafood. Okay. <laughs> Ryan Seafood. <laughs> seafood. <laughs> Doc, I mean, like, he's the guy that made all these reality shows, Gordon. I mean, every second American show on, Idol on American and, TV uh, these yeah. days. And it is, is my is Ryan claim Seacrest, to fame. Yeah? And I, I Heart Radio. The rest of it, yeah. I have not watched more than an aggregated total of five minutes of reality TV. It is if you were to stick me in the room. What was the room in 1984 where bad things happened? Big Brother. Big Brother. Sorry, yeah, yeah uh, you know, but he put you away, and that was the ultimate torture. Yeah. You were confronted by your deepest, darkest fears. That would stick me in that room and, and show me reality TV shows. That would be the bloody <laughs> end of me. But Doc, it's a, it's a, it's a another podcast maybe that you guys need to do i'm assuming there's media value in reality shows a big time yeah you got to but it's a question of understanding the audience and making sure that the format uh is 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 relevant and applicable but you know we don't want to talk about that we touched on virginia hollis remember a few weeks back he was helping us out in that product placement uh it's proper stuff you know not overt you know we were talking about even james bond how badly some of those movies are made where the the lady was saying to him uh that's probably a rolex and he says no it's an amiga now for me as a marketer i mean you don't have you can show the amiga at a glance and you either recognize or you don't the aston martin or whatever the case may be the heineken bottle Mm. you don't have to say i'm having a heineken 
you know it's a Heineken. I mean, it's just, and, and that's part of that reality TV. And yep. through the years, people have put product placement in, sometimes better than others. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, a good place to have it. You know, it's, uh, people do stuff with, with various yeah. products. Well, Doc, to, right. to coin a phrase, that was your final, answer, final answer, I'm afraid. So, Jeremy, <laughs> thanks for uh, joining us. That's really been great. I'm getting into the book and I'm looking forward to quizzing you uh, on some of the more sort of details that I uncover beyond your nudist. Gentlemen, uh, love your podcast, love <laughs> the work that you're doing and thank you so much for inviting me. And thanks me to all the listeners. Strength to your microphone. Yep, yeah. indeed. Thank you all. Ciao. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. Cheers now. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.